Today we're continuing our summer series, Grown Up VBS, where we're exploring some of our favorite childhood Bible stories. And our goals for this are twofold. One is to come away with a grown-up understanding of these familiar stories, and two, to re-instill a childlike wonder for the God these stories reveal. Now, the second goal might be a challenge for our story today, the story of Esther, because this book famously makes no direct mention of God in its ten chapters. To be fair, the later Greek versions of Esther add some mentions of God and even a prayer from Mordecai, but this shorter original Hebrew story that's in our Bibles is left without such mentions of God. But I promise this gripping story with numerous twists and turns does indeed reveal a God who is alive and at work in the world, even in times when God's name isn't uttered. As I said, the story of Esther is 10 chapters long, and to be honest, it's pretty hard to preach from this book without telling the whole story. So that's what we're going to do today. And along the way, along the, our telling of the story, we'll read from the book. Now, along with not mentioning God directly, the book of Esther is an odd story in the Hebrew Bible for other reasons, too. In fact, there was strong debate whether or not it should be included in the Hebrew canon that we now know as the Old Testament. In fact, it was not found among the texts in the Dead Sea Scrolls. But today, this story has a prominent place with our Jewish brothers and sisters, as it's one of the five scrolls read on festival days. Esther's festival is Purim, celebrating her courage and faith to save the Jewish people from destruction in a difficult time. So the story of Esther takes place in the Persian capital of Susa, and this was in a time of diaspora, which is after the time when the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem, taking the Jews into exile, and also after the return and reconstruction of the temple. During this period, known as Second Temple, around, and this is around the 4th century BCE, Jewish folks were dispersed throughout the known world. And the story of Esther is a lone story of Jewish folks living in Persia in our canon. The story begins with King Ahasuerus, also known as King Xerxes of Persia, and his dethroning of his queen, Vashti. And he begins to look for a new queen among the people. We then meet a Jewish man in Susa named Mordecai, who is raising his deceased uncle's daughter named Hadassah, or to use her non-Jewish name, Esther. Eventually, Esther finds the king's favor and makes her his queen, though under Mordecai's strict instruction, she does not reveal her Jewish identity. Soon enough, Mordecai saves the king from an attempted coup by two of his guards, but he's not recognized or honored for this. Instead, we meet a man named Haman, who is promoted by the king, essentially to be his right-hand man. Haman is an uh, Amalekite, and the Amalekites were longtime enemies of the Jewish people, going back to the book of Exodus. Everyone was ordered in Susa to bow down to Haman as the king's favored person, but Mordecai refused. This infuriates Haman so much so that instead of finding a way to punish Mordecai, he convinces the king to let him wipe out all of the Jewish people in the kingdom. 
And so an edict goes out from the palace announcing this horrific plan for the kingdom. Our first section of text that we'll read happens just as Mordecai receives this terrifying edict about his people. And as he laments, he goes to his cousin, Queen Esther, desperate for help and for action. I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the fourth chapter of the book of Esther. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went through the city, wailing with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. In every province, wherever the king's command and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting and weeping and lamenting, and most of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's maids and her eunuchs came and told her, the queen was deeply distressed. She sent garments to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called for Hethok, one of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed to her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what was happening and why. Hethok went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him in the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther, explain it to her, and charge her to go to the king to make supplication to him and entreat him for her people. Hathog went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathog and gave him a message for Mordecai, saying, All the king's servants... And the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. All alike are to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter may someone, or to someone, may that person live. I myself have not been called to come in to the king for 30 days. When they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter. But you and your father's family will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Then Esther said in reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf, and neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will also fast as you do. After that I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish... I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. We'll stop here. Mordecai, in our text, wears the traditional clothing 
uh, traditional mourning clothes of sackcloth and ashes and stands at the palace gate. He needs to find his cousin but cannot enter in such lowly clothes, so he exchanges letters with her through this messenger. He pleads for her to speak up. He's hesitant because she knows it could cost her her life if she speaks out of turn with the king, or if it is discovered that she, too, is Jewish. Mordecai appeals to her, stating that perhaps it was indeed for such a time as this that Esther has come into royalty to save her people from destruction. It's my favorite verse in the whole book. She agrees to step out in faith, take a risk, and try to help, and ask for a fast for her to gain her courage and support from her people. So Esther goes to the king and has granted any request by the king that she asks. The suspense is building. We think it's about to happen. But then she asks to host a banquet for the king, but also for Haman, the person who is, has just created this edict to destroy her people. It seems at first like an odd choice, but on the contrary, hosting the king for a banquet obligates him to her. On the other hand, inviting Haman inflates his already inflated image of himself. After all, he gets to dine privately with the king and queen. But at the same time, inviting Haman also disarms him, so he doesn't know what's about to come next. At the banquet, the king tells Esther again that he'll grant her any request. She responds that she wants to host yet another feast for the king and Haman tomorrow. And then she would make her request. Haman goes home, he brags to his friends and family about the feast, but he still can't get over the ungrateful Mordecai who will not show him honor. He and his friends conspire to hang Mordecai the next day right before the feast. But something happened that night. The king couldn't sleep. Instead, he studied the royal records and found this instance of Mordecai saving his life and the king couldn't believe that nothing had been done to honor Mordecai. So get this. Next, the king summons Haman and commands him to find Mordecai, to clothe him with a robe and a horse and a crown and lead him through the city that all may honor him. Quite a twist. And right after this, right after Haman is forced to parade Mordecai around, giving him the king's honor, were led to Esther's second feast, which we'll read from chapter 7, beginning with the first verse. So the king and Haman went in to feast with Queen Esther. On the second day, as they were drinking wine, the king again said to Esther, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Even to half of my kingdom it shall be fulfilled. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have won your favor, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me. That is my petition. And the lives of my people. That is my request. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, to be annihilated. If we had been sold merely as slaves, as men and women, I would have kept my peace, but no enemy can compensate for this damage to the king. 
Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther, Who is he? And where is he? Who is presumed to do this? Esther said, A foe and an enemy, this wicked Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and queen. We'll stop here. I know the bulletin says through verse 10, but I'll spare you the details of Haman's demise as you can guess what happens next. Then in chapter 8 of Haman's family, nevertheless, right here, Esther saves her people from evil Haman when she reveals who she truly is to the king. The king spares her people the coming destruction because of Esther's courage and willingness to step out in faith. And so the book ends with a description of the Feast of the Day of Purim, beginning here at chapter 9, verse 20. Mordecai recorded these things and sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, enjoining them that they should keep the 14th day of the month of Adar and also the 15th day of the same month, year by year, as the days on which the Jews gained relief from their enemies, and as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness, and from mourning into a holiday, that they should make them days of fasting and gladness, days for sending gifts of food to one another and presents to the poor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, we've made it through this long and dramatic story of Esther. It's surprising. It's gripping. I personally think it would make a fantastic film. And as I said, there's no direct mention of God in the book. It shouldn't be too surprising. After all, Mordecai and Esther lived in a time of diaspora when Jewish folks were scattered throughout the world. They lived in Persia with different deities, and as we soon learn, not a whole lot of tolerance for their faith in the God of Israel. This week, as I reflected that perhaps this is a very fitting story for us today. After all, it's no secret that we live in a time when fewer people are active in congregations. More and more people identify as none or having no religious affiliation. In turn, the church has lost its place of prominence in our culture. Mentions of God in our community and world have slowly withered over the past 50 years, to the point where God is virtually left out of dialogue in the public square. While notably different, I think we can identify with this piece of Mordecai and Esther's world where God's name is seldom named. Yet it is in just such a world in just such a time that God still shows up, that God works through an unsuspecting Queen Esther to bring about God's plans of peace, justice, and deliverance. Esther was called in just such a world and a time to speak of violence and hatred. Sorry. Esther was called in just such a world and such a time of violence and hatred to speak instead God's word of love, peace, and salvation. And so, friends, we too are called in just such a world 
And we too are called for just such a time as this. In such a time when God is seldom mentioned. In such a time as this when we awoke this morning to the horrific news of two more mass shootings in El Paso and Dayton. In such a time as this when racial and class hatred is around. In just such a time as this when the world has hardly seemed more divided and polarized ideologically. We, friends, are called in just such a time as this to speak God's seldom heard word of love. We're called in such a time as this to speak God's seldom heard word of peace. We, friends, are called in such a time as this to speak God's seldom heard word of welcome and hospitality. The great Presbyterian minister Fred Rogers, you all probably know better as Mr. Rogers, once said, we live in a world in which we need to share responsibility. It's easy to say, it's not my child, not my community, not my world, not my problem. Then there are those who see the need and respond. I consider those people my heroes. This quote seems as relevant today as it did decades ago when he penned these words. The story of Esther, friends, reminds us that God works through and calls each of us to respond in just such a time as this. We are called in and for our own place and time to speak God's word of peace in a time of violence, to speak God's word of welcome in a time of exclusion, to speak God's word of love in a time of hate, to speak God's word of life in a time of death. May we do so, friends. May we respond and speak God's word for our own time and place. And may we remember that God is always at work, perhaps even in and through us, in just such a time as this. May we also remember that violence, hatred, all of these things have been put on notice. And through Christ, we know one day will be no more. To God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all praise, glory, and honor now and forever. Amen.